everything that makes country racing great. This is Bushbeat on Radio Tab. Greenline's kicked through underneath here to go to the lead as they come toward the uh, home corner from Evil Woman. And those two go together, Evil Woman and a dream line. Arlie's jab is going to try and go underneath them and Whispering Tycoon is hooked to the outside. Musical Girl is the widest runner, but still back behind them as Dreamline kicked. Dreamline lead here. Arlie's jab. Whispering Tycoon all chasing. Dreamline, though, in front here, ridden out. And Dreamline goes on to win well. Dreamline beats Arlie's jab, Whispering Tycoon, and then Massa Red. Nathan Tycoon. Day, Dreamline. That was the first at Innesvale. But Tony's got news on what happened the remainder of that particular meeting uh, with Bush Pete. Rob Luck's about to join us as well. But how are you, Tony? Good morning. I'm great, thanks, Steve. Good morning to you and hello, everyone. And yes, that was all she wrote as far as Innisfail was uh, concerned there last Saturday. They started the morning with a soft seven track. At 8.30, it went to a heavy nine. Prior to the first race at 12.30, it went to a heavy 10. The first race at 1.20 was run in pouring rain. And yes, uh, Nathan was able to get home on the Fred Wheel and train Dreamline beating Ali's Jab and Whispering Tycoon. And it wasn't long after that that unfortunately the meeting had to be abandoned. As we often have said on Bush Beat, we love the rain when it's around because we know it can be a long time between drinks. But even with something like that 60 mil overnight and that storm with Warwick off today, uh, it can play havoc with our racing programs and certainly play havoc within the stables trying to work out where to run their horses. We've got lots of news to uh, bring you on Bush Beat today. Going to tell you about a trainer who took three horses to the races on Australia Day and you wouldn't know it, they ran one, two, three, the trifecta there on Thursday and we'll also tell you about a jockey who went to Sejuna last Saturday at the non-tab program in South Australia six rides for five wins and a third. Some great stories coming up on the show this morning and to help us out as always with those great stories is Rob Black. Good morning Rob. Yeah, good morning, Tony. Good morning, listeners. And uh, a shame for the Innisfail meeting, uh, Tony, with that. But as they always say, when you look at the form of that race, Dreamline, always follow a mare in form. Now, three wins in a row after two wins at Cairns. Now, Tony, <coughs> my voice may come through a little bit differently this morning. I'm being told to shush down a little bit here because I'm on grandfather and grandmother duties uh, with little Maya uh, here with us or as we are referred to Mimar and Giddy you know which one I am um, <laughs> to do with horses with Giddy but uh, <coughs> it's the first of a new experience as part of that semi-retirement Tony so looking forward to it. <laughs> Enjoy that uh, wonderful family time now that you're relocating, as they say. Uh, last weekend as well, Rob, uh, we had a tab program at Bundaberg. It was great to see uh, this uh, roll along, and, and we've been highlighting this on Bushbeat lately with some of these uh, tab meetings around the place, and we had one at Emerald last week. Uh, we had uh, a double there to Brooke Johnson, and there's uh, tab meetings coming up with uh, looking ahead at the calendar. Thangul have a tab meeting on the 27th of February, and uh, Innisfail have theirs coming up on the 11th of March. Hopefully they have uh, more luck with that than they did on the weekend. What were some of the highlights for you out of the uh, Sandtrack program at Bundy on Saturday? Yeah, well, um, from the breeding point of view, how about better than ready? I think there was six for the weekend and he kicked off the meeting with Better Rush, a, uh, a mare, an older mare there in the uh, Benchmark 60 handicap. Marvellous achievements for that particular stallion with sales still around the corner. You get horses that love the Bundaberg track and from my understanding, Bundaberg again proved out wide was the place to be. Uh, cement out there and uh, Quagmire towards the inside rail. That's not being cruel to the track, it's just the nature of sand tracks. Uh, Daunting Warrior as 
one of those horses that love it. He's two from two at the track. But how about that cutest money when you look at Golden Athena? And here's another one that scouted wide from back in the field. You could win from coming back in the field, that's for sure. But Golden Athena picked up 20,000 in cutest money and the reason you follow this mare on the day was back at Birdsville in that first April meeting that they had last year she did the same on the sand surface out there, 22,000 in cutest money and almost 50% of her total prize money now comes from cutest money for John Manselman and Lily Barr and that name uh, crops up with winners across the weekend uh, Bob Murray had a good winner with uh, Come Clean, the Spill the Beans now there was a bit of a plunge I do believe listening to Jared West on the day when Mr Tangled for Daryl Johnson and Natalie Summers took out the maiden and uh, Laurie Clement Chris MacGyver had the win with Bournemouth's lad but so a range of results but really good sized fields there on the day for Bundaberg and just again Tony we've come a long way haven't we in um, being able to feature and focus on the country TAB meetings uh, and they continue to grow across the state in, in stature and in number of the various clubs taking part while those uh, honours were evenly shared there at Bundaberg on Saturday, and I mentioned Brookie Johnson with a double at Emerald last Tuesday. Well done to Anthony Allen with a double on Australia Day at the TAB meeting at Bow Desert. On the Friday last week at Rockhampton, Justin Stanley with a treble and a double to Graham Green, and not forgetting on uh, Sunday at Townsville, Alaya Castle rode a double, and Jackson Murphy and Georgie Holt also combined for a double. I mentioned at the top of the show that uh, a one trainer took three horses to the races on Australia Day and came home with a trifecta. That was at Kilcoyne before we have a chat with Dogsy Dolan about the big Australia Day program there, let's listen in on what happened in the Australia Day Cup. This was race four taken out by He's a Devil. As they go to Menzies Lagoon with about 450 metres to travel, Australia Day Cup going to be a big finish, you would think, as they run on towards the corner. And the leader here now is getting clear. He's a devil. About a length and a half clear. Maximus Enterprise still in second placing. They're about three lengths in front of Harry and the Tiger, who has that much ground to make up as heads are turned for home. All Stars leads the other and then came Sidewalk in the straight. The front runner is still He's a Devil. Doing it well, He's a Devil near home. And He's a Devil by a length and a half. Harry and the Tiger got through to run second. Enterprise Maximus was so third. So Champkin aboard the $3 equal favourite He's a Devil for the Toowoomba stable of Tony and Madison Steers, winning the Butler McDermott Lawyers Australia Day Cup, the 1,200-metre benchmark 60. Those dulcet tones you heard calling behind the 10 by 50s is joining us this morning, Paul Dolan. Good morning. G'day Tony, good morning to Rob and good morning all. Good morning to you Paul and um, he's a devil, another classic case of a galloper when in form as well as a stable in form and young Soraya Champkin in form. This uh, particular tycoon roller, two wins from three and three placings, it's last five. You love following these horses that keep the form consistent and going forward. Yeah, that's true, and um, uh, the uh, Syrac took a 2.5 kilo claim, so the horse came down in weight to 55 kilos, which was equated to the minimum, you know, of, of the others. So uh, when you when you analysed it that way, it's easy after the event. But putters uh, sent it out a $3 equal favourite. He's the devil, and uh, as you say, continued the, uh, the very consistent form. Tony, you're talking about doubles uh, all over the state there in the past week. Well, Kilcoy last Friday, this non last Thursday... The Australia Day meeting, the non-tab, uh, it was just the opposite. There were five races, there were five different winning trainers, five different winning jockeys, and they came from five different locations. So the money <laughs> was spread right around. It's nice when you can share the love with a, a program like that. Paul, this Kilcoy Australia Day program is something that's been happening for uh, for quite a while. I think it's starting to, to build in stature each year, and I wouldn't be surprised if it does actually get tab status in years to come. 
Well, yeah, good thinking. And a lot of people say, why why do they have, why, why does the club have one non-TAB meeting being this one? The reason is that um, the organisers are trying to build up the Kilcoy gift, which is the human uh, foot race on the, on the day. Heats and finals of various categories. Uh, the club calls it the, the stall gift of the North trying to build it into that anyway. A bit of a follow-up to the play of uh, play title of um, Mooney Valley, the North. Anyway, Tony, the point being, if you had an eight-race TAB card, you wouldn't be able to fit in all the athletics races. So we just uh-huh. take... When I, when I say we, the committee, I'm still on the committee there, the club requests a non-TAB meeting so you can get away with five, five races. And you're also catering for the horses uh, who, who aren't quite capable of winning a TAB standard, you know, in the region. So uh, once once a year, so it's not likely to go to a TAB uh, meeting. Otherwise, we'd have to scale back the, the foot races. And the, the interest in the uh, the Kilcoy Gift and other races there is uh, is building every year. That makes perfect yeah, sense Paul. now that you say it. It's one of those things. Yeah, someone says it out loud, and you think, of course. Yeah, I'd forgotten about all of the the Kilcoy Gift heats, and yeah, it probably would be a tab card. Except for the committee is almost requesting it, saying, no, leave us alone. We want to be a non-tabber for the day. Similar thing with um, the club has tried some um, harness and um, thoroughbred combined meetings, but you, particularly in the winter time when it gets dark at five o'clock, you've got to start, you know, breakfast time to get everything mm. in. So with that in mind, the club has decided to uh, discontinue any um, harness gallops combined meetings. But as a, a trade-off, more or less, uh, we still want to have the the trotters there, the harness people there, and with their horses. Um, Racing Queensland has allocated three uh, this year, three standalone um, TAB harness meetings. So, uh, and, and you also the logistics of having harness horses and thoroughbreds there on the same day. You know, mm. the trainers of the harness horses have got to come out and put the sulkies on and all the gear and all that. And it's just, it's, uh, and at the end of the day, the crowd, people don't want to get out there at 10 o'clock in the morning to watch the first race. They traditionally turn up around lunchtime. So for that reason, uh, the combined meetings are a thing of the past, but... Uh, this year, there'll be 14... We've been allocated 14 TAB Gallup meetings. It might be 13 TAB Gallup meetings, plus the Australia Day, plus three standalone trot meetings, and uh, we'll see how they go. Yeah, that's excellent to hear, Paul. And um, as you say, being on the committee, it's a bit of a balancing act, isn't it? Um, race clubs with non-TAB meetings trying to maintain that community involvement do you race day for the community factor versus going that path of, of the TAB? You know, we've been building country TAB meetings. But there is a balance to achieve, particularly when you've got uh, multiple meetings and you've already got such a community support for your club. Yeah, and also in the case of uh, the harness meetings, um, you know, South East Queensland's got uh, Redcliffe, Albion Park and Marburg. Well, this is Kilcoy, the, uh, you know, fair distance from those places. So... Local people in the Kilcoy area are not going to go to Redcliffe or Albion Park or Marburg to the trots. But um, the point being that by having them at Kilcoy, the, the harness meeting, harness slash trots, um, you know, you're opening up that code to uh, some new spectators. And opening it up too to grass track trotting, which is, I know, uh, quite popular, especially in New Zealand, but we don't see a lot of it in Australia. A lot of the grass tracks have gone over to uh, the other services now, Paul, and, and this is something of a spectacle in itself when you see them out there on the grass. Yeah. But basically, um, let's let's blow our own trumpet. We like to think we're a bit innovative at Kilcoy, and uh, mm. that's another way we're doing it. I mentioned at the top of the show about a train <laughs> that took three horses to the races and came home with the trifecta. Tell us about Tony Hayden's wonderful effort there in the uh, 1100 metre maiden plate. 
Well, yes, um, Sheriff of London uh, led, led all the way and beat um, Home of Goolagong, which ran on strongly into second placing, and Hurricane Hall was third. The three of them trained by Tony Hayden and his wife Marnie at a new property they've got just outside the Sunshine Coast up towards Gippie, and uh, that's their first ever training trifecta. And when you think about it, um, OK, Chris Waller might do it here and there, but uh, you know, not many trainers with a smallish team land a trifecta anywhere, so it's, it's a first for the stable. Uh, Tony's background is interesting. He's from Kingaroy in south-east Queensland originally. Um, spent 13 years uh, looking after the Peter Moody satellite stable at Caulfield. Worked with the great mayor of Black Caviar. In fact, accompanied her to uh, to England when she when she went at Royal Ascot. So uh, Tony's got a most interesting background. He was a jockey himself for a while and uh, now has got this uh, new career um, stat of a trifecta. What was interesting, Tony, is it was the Australia Day Thursday meeting. Sheriff of London wore green and gold colours. The mm. second and third horses wore white, red and navy blue colours. With, <laughs> so you've got the tra- traditional Australian sporting colours of green and gold and the flag colours in the uh, in the stable. So if ever there was, it's easy in hindsight again, but if ever there was an omen trifecta, there it was. I was looking at some of Tony's background and especially when you're saying about his riding days, he was actually apprenticed to Bill Mitchell at Eagle Farm in the days when Peter Moody was Bill's stable foreman and uh, one of Tony's claims to fame was he rode uh, the Group 1 winner Special Dane when he won his maiden at Toowoomba by something like 10 links but he said that probably wasn't one of his best riding efforts. The story I was reading said that he rode four winners in a day, first one on The Artist at Dermot for John Hawkes and then went up to Toowoomba and rode a treble at Clifford Park that night. Uh, and he said it was part of when... Remember back in the... I reckon it was the late 90s when they had the infamous jockey strike? All of the yep. jockeys stood down. The apprentices were all uh, engaged to ride. I remember being on air and having to read out jockey lists that day for every single race. It was one of the hardest days. Uh, but Tony said he had a broken wrist at the time. Not a bad effort to ride four winners in a day at two different tracks when you've actually got a broken wrist. Yeah, big effort indeed. Well, they've recently relocated, as I say, from being based on the Sunshine Coast at Corbould Park. So, and this was their first winner from their new new uh, location. So I'm going to suggest put the name um, down as uh, a stable to follow. Yeah. Wherever they go. Give the other winners a mention, Tony. It was a five-race card. Evelyn Salt won the 800 metres race. Now, John O. Johnson trains this one at Corbould Park, Caloundra, and went from a Kilcoy maiden win a fortnight earlier to win this benchmark race. We we always talk about how difficult it is for a horse to go from a, a maiden to a class one and be successful. Well, Evelyn Salt basically jumped two grades, so that was a big effort, ridden by uh, Matt Powell. The uh, maiden plate we spoke of, uh, the um, the uh, Hayden Stable, Sheriff of London, Hannah Richardson aboard, home of Gulagong second, Nozzy Tomazawa and Hurricane Hall completed the treble for the stable with Nathan Fazakali. The third race was uh, won by... Uh, Max Boy got up in the very last bound. Amy Graham for um, Amanda Park at Oakey on the Darling Downs. I must confess, I thought the inside horse had held on, Coffee Coming, but it didn't. And the jockey of Coffee Coming, Nathan Evans, asked Stewards to have a look at the photo, and I last saw him walking out of the uh, judges' box, shaking his head in disbelief. But Max uh-huh. Boy on the outside, the finisher, got the photo. As you know, happens uh, happens so often. Um, the fourth race was He's a Devil, who we've spoken about. And the last race over the 1,500 metres went to the Angel's Kiss. Nice uh, nice timely ride by Lily Barr sitting on the fence and getting into the clear and uh, finishing it off nicely. So uh, congratulations to the winners and grinners at Kilcoy last Thursday. I see that, uh, well, as you were saying, there's plenty more uh, meetings coming up at Kilcoy. Uh, I did have the dates there in front of me, but I've lost them at the moment. When is the next Kilcoy meeting? Yeah. 
Well, I've got the three of them here. Monday the 13th of February, which is not that far away because tomorrow's mm. the 1st of February, uh, is the Grass Harness Day, TAB Day, Monday the 13th of Feb. That's full TAB. Then there's a Gallup meeting on Tuesday the 21st of March, a TAB meeting. Then another Harness uh, Grass Day on Sunday the 16th of April, just after Easter. And then uh, we'll get into the winter time from there. And where are you off to next with the binoculars? My next assignment will be at uh, beautiful downtown Esk. They are a non-TAB club, as you know, and uh, their next meeting is on the uh, 18th of uh, March. So uh, about six weeks away. We might pencil something in there and see if we can get you back on Bushbeat to have a chat once again. Thanks for joining us this morning. Look back at Australia Day at Kilcoy. Thanks, gentlemen. See you later. Rob, uh, four of the five races there won by the ladies at Kilcoy last Thursday. Uh, you've got a little bit of news for us this morning, a little teaser, if you like, of uh, something that's in the pipeline working on increasing jockey numbers for some of these non-TAB programs. Yeah, Tony, and uh, we're probably looking a little bit further away than the uh, Kilcoy area in terms of the closeness to metropolitan areas, but uh, there's always been discussion of the importance of uh, increasing jockey numbers in country racing and um, <clears throat> the jockey shortage, if you like, particularly west of the divide, and I, I would imagine really we're talking the regions central west, northwest, and uh, probably even the, the Leichhardt, Capricornia areas for their country areas. But yesterday was the beginning of a process of a of trying to solve this problem of jockey shortage and a little bit of information come through at this point uh, from Cole Truscott who uh, helped uh, put together this think tank uh, with representatives of clubs and industry stakeholders particularly those west of the divide where they've sat down and, and brought forward some notions of what can be done to improve the uh, jockey shortage and I know we've had discussions over the years on bush beat and clubs have clubs have been doing individual things like premierships uh, payments to jockeys but it's never been an across the board approach you often heard me mention the importance of um, country service there's uh, there's even been ideas that have been proposed over recent years with jockeys on suspension being able to ride in country tracks during that time or jock young apprentices to be put on loan maybe regional allowances to be paid but look these are all ideas that people are tossing around I think the important thing at this point is to let people know there is some very progressive talking going on that has to go through a process as it always does uh, with anything uh, to be finally approved we're going to keep you informed of that in coming weeks uh, via Cole's information and uh, hopefully a uh, representative of Racing Queensland to come on and tell us what the final outcome's on and, and I believe there's a high priority on it Tony that it's not something that's looking at the uh, process taking a long time because they want it in place uh, when the racing gets going again particularly in those western areas and uh, I know western racing coming up with the central west at Blackhall towards the end of February so really good initiative and uh, some really good stakeholders I believe involved in the uh, in the think tank and I think if anyone who wasn't involved wants to take part uh, well they can get in contact with us of course uh, but as well Cole Trust got some man I think um, 
to uh, do that. Beck Lawson also from Racing Queensland involved in that think tank process. So put the thinking cap on. And uh, look, I know over the years, jockeys like Paul Hamlin continually talk to me about particularly the programming. What can we do to make sure that we've got jockey availability? And it is so, so important. Um, it's not it's not easy to get the numbers you require, particularly out in those areas west of the divide. And a unified approach will be most welcome, I think, Tony. One of the, uh, I thought, really good ideas, when you first say it, somebody would sort of uh, dismiss it and say, that's just silly. Uh, it almost sounds like school detention. But I thought one of the thinking outside the square or out-of-the-box out type ideas wasn't too bad that if, say, for example, a jockey had a suspension out of a non-metro meeting, say, for example, uh, one of the, the coastal provincials or something like an Ipswich Thursday or a, a Bow Desert Friday or something like that, um, rather than, say, taking a seven-meeting suspension, they might be able to take a three-meeting suspension and then almost time off for good behaviour by then going and riding at a non-tab program. And like you said, Rob, it's going to be more, say, west of the Great Divide. It's going to be out in the bush. It's not a case of being punished and being sent out to the scrub, but you're going to then still be able to ride, still be able to earn, and still be able to uh, assist with those uh, dwindling jockey numbers in some of those areas. Nothing worse than when you see some excellent acceptances and just not have enough riders to be able to have all of the horses participating on that day. So that's just a, a sort of like an indication of the kind of outside of the square thinking that's being discussed. That's not for saying that that's actually what's going to happen, but I just like the concept of uh, as being representation of, of just thinking a little bit different to what everybody else might have thought in the past. Oh, definitely, and I don't think any ideas um, out of the uh, equation at this particular point, so come forward with them. And, and let's try to encourage those people who um, are continually in those areas as well. They may already be established there, and they need encouragement to uh, maintain their travel, but as well encourage others to go there. I mean, coming from a teaching background, I'm so used to the notion of country uh, service, but also of um, remote area location allowances and so on, that... Uh, lead people to think about, hey, it's not so bad out here. We could uh, maybe <laughs> take some time uh, to be there and, and also build up some credit points for having been out there, whether it's part of an apprenticeship that uh, allows you to get some bonus uh, factors as a result of being out in the country. Uh, nothing's out of the equation, I don't think, with this think tank and uh, been long overdue as a unified approach. So well done uh, for the people involved and Racing Queensland getting that process going. As they say, watch this space. We'll have more news on that as it comes to hand. We've been enjoying reporting on the King Island Carnival over the last couple of weeks on Bushbeat. It all wrapped up on Saturday with fly-in day and the King Island Open Trophy taken up by Make False Report. Inside the 500 metre mark and in a bunched-up field, it's Make False Report just in front from Woods Point, Superior Ideology, and here's a Freddie being let down in the orange cap out wide. Like a mosh behind those from Scosh, and Maywin is the word. They turn for home inside the 300. Make False Report hard up against the rails, just in front of Freddie, the outside trying hard. Woods Point's got the split and closer to the inside, like a mosh. Still in front, Make False Report. Out wide, Freddie trying hard, like a mosh on the inside, still finishing off strongly, but it's Make False Report. Make false report scored by a half length over like a mosh photo there between Afridi and Woods Point. Make false report taking out the feature race there on Saturday on fly in day at King Island, the Newman's Home Furnishings Open Trophy. Another win for Jim Taylor, who's just had an incredible carnival, something like 12 winners, I think I was working out across the seven meetings of the carnival. To tell us more about that, getting ready to uh, call all of the action coming through at Launceston today is Duncan Donoff. Good day, Dunk. Yeah, good morning, Tony. 
another great day at the track by the sounds of things. Uh, been enjoying watching some of the action through the uh, the club social channels and the uh, the live video stream. And yeah, Jim Taylor's just had an amazing carnival. Randy Tan saluting on that one. Yeah, mate. False report, of course. Uh, Jim Taylor, he's he's just a King Island legend. That was his uh, 59th season. He's just completed being involved in, and he's only ever missed two meetings in those 59 uh, years. So great to see Jim with a double there. Make Foles Report, who's owned by Peter and Danielle Foster. Now, they take some of Jim's horses and race on the picnic circuit in Victoria at the conclusions uh, of uh, most of the seasons, and no doubt uh, this gelding will be heading back across uh, that side of uh, Bash Strait, and Jim in form there, because he prepared the Cornella like a mosh finishing second. He was actually keeping an eye unlike a mosh and didn't realise he had the horse in front make false report till uh, <laughs> after the race so uh, he was very delighted with that and uh, we, we do see Jim bring some horses to mainland Tasmania at the end of the King Island season and continue on their preparations so uh, be interesting to see if any of those two make the trip down with Jim he doesn't bring them for the sake of it he, he picks his horses that he thinks will measure up to the uh, Tasmanian grade yeah, uh, Duncan, that um, Alika Mosh and Afridi, they had a Quinella battle one other time and uh, Afridi, of course, winning the Magic Millions uh, Cup last week and Alika Mosh also winning, but Alika Mosh uh, beating at home again. But, yeah, the Quinella result for Jim Taylor, make false report, uh, upsetting the favourite in the race. Yeah, certainly uh, did pan out that way. Uh, make false report and Randy Tan, that they've had a, a handy season uh, only having the five starts for two wins. Uh, they did have a couple of issues with, with that gilding during the season, so credit to Jim and his team to, to get that runner back. Uh, like a Mosh, uh, we touched on, he won at three of the seven meetings, and uh, Freddy, well, he was placed at every meeting, including two wins, so a lot of horses really held their form throughout the season. I you were talking last had... week. Go on, Rob. Oh, sorry, Tony. Now you go. Oh, sorry, Tony. Um, yeah, uh, you were talking last week about uh, young Tommy Doyle, uh, who I'm, I just want to check with you. Did he get the jockey of the carnival? He um, missed the flight back, but he reappeared again. And, of course, he's uh, certainly been given the award of the uh, most outstanding haircut or hairdo uh, going around at the moment. But he wasn't able to get a winner on the weekend, uh, mainly Jim Taylor and Randy Tan and uh, uh, Amy Herman and Tamara Muir. Um, you are taking out the doubles on the day. Yeah, uh, so so Tommy's hair was the real winner of the, the Minor Stress Cup and uh, he was able to cling on to the leading jockeys award, uh, defeating Bruno Nito by one win. So uh, full credit to Tommy. He's, he works hard and uh, he's had a very successful season over there on King Island. And the Horse of the Year award, that came down to the very last race. Uh, a win by Master Montecito would have saw that horse uh, take out the Horse of the Year title, but a second place nearly in the day by Midnight Kisses, who's prepared by Robert Keyes, was uh, enough to secure the title, uh, having a handy season of seven starts, four wins and three second placings. We were talking with Paul Dolan before about the combination of, of other events that are happening throughout the day and King Island seemed to have done it really well with the uh, the inclusion of some of the grass track harness events there. That was uh, very well supported once again this year, Duncan? Yeah, it, it is. Uh, lo like King Island Racing as a whole, they are struggling with participation numbers, both uh, stable hands, track work riders and trainers. Uh, that's a bit of a, a struggle nationally, but the, the harness have been able to just uh, hold their own and uh, their season also concluded on Saturday. Uh, Tizu Storm won the pacing cup. 
Flying Mile King Island Championship and the harness plates for Paul Williams, who had a very successful season in the harness code. And, uh, yeah, that certainly makes up a great day's racing. That allows the uh, thoroughbred trainers to take some horses home and bring some horses back because they don't have the big flash uh, six-horse trucks. They've got to make multiple trips. So that harness uh, in between some of the races is certainly a, a great assistance to the thoroughbred code. What was the highlight for you of the carnival this year? The, you know, I think the involvement, uh, maybe not on the track, but the involvement of all of the Victorian trainers and the Minus Rest Cup concept was a highlight for me. It certainly was. It, it put a spotlight on King Island Racing and uh, the struggles they have faced and, and still are facing. And uh, just to see so many people at the races, they estimate they had around 650 people at the races for that Minus Rest Cup meeting which works out one in three people on King Island were at the races that day. Oh. And, uh, yeah, and, and meeting Bruce, Bruce McAvaney was uh, my highlight of the season. But uh, mm. that day was very special to be a part of because everyone was there for the racing. They weren't there for the fashions or to, to, to have a good time out the back in, in the marquees. They were there purely for the racing. And, uh, yeah, it was certainly uh, yeah, one of my career highlights to be a part of in general. You know we love a tip. Can you throw us a good one at Launceston Greyhounds today? I can give you two, Tony. Uh, Pipe Cove Race 6, number three, has got a, a brilliant record over the sprint trip of 278 metres. And I also don't mind Black Spitfire Race 9, number three. All right, Race 6, number three, Race 9, number three. We'll see what we can do with that. Good calling today. And thanks for covering the uh, King Island Carnival for us right throughout. Yeah, been, been a pleasure, Tony and Rob. Uh, Rob, we had a, a great day on Saturday as well, by all accounts, at Sejuna on the uh, the west coast of South Australia, where one jockey was able to ride five winners on the program from just six rides. What an amazing day there. More on that. Here's Mark Matthews. Thanks, Tony. Uh, the 2023 Sejuna race meeting saw eight races slotted for the first time in its history, which was a great credit to the club and all its industry participants. The main reason for the two additional uh, races being uh, added, uh, Tony, was because of the fact that the Port Lincoln uh, Racing Club is out of action at the moment due to the surface. We actually get back to Port Lincoln uh, this Friday for the first time in a couple of months, so it'll be interesting to see how that track races. But due to that track being out of action, Racing SA and the Sejuna Racing Club put additional uh, races on. It would normally be a six-race card and had eight races for the first time, so credit to everybody involved uh, for doing that. To give some context on... Uh, where Sejuna is. Sejuna's around 800 kilometres uh, west of South Australia. So if you were heading towards uh, WA, you would go through Sejuna on the way to the Nullarbor Plain. So it is on the Air Peninsula. Port Lincoln is 400 kilometres away on the Air Peninsula down south. So most of the runners historically always come over from Port Lincoln to race at the Sejuna non-tab meeting. And that's exactly what happened uh, again um, on this occasion. So it was an interesting um, day as well. The weather in Sejuna is historically very hot. It's a very hot place in South Australia. And they had 43 degrees the day prior with strong northerly winds. So the racing club tells me it was a big job getting all the marquees up and the, uh, the venue set up for Cup Day. But that wasn't exactly what we saw on Cup Day. The weather turned dramatically. We had a cool change come in. And uh, on landing, uh, the windscreen wipers were going on the little charter plane. And uh, we had constant rain throughout the day. So those persisting showers and... Again, credit to the racing club for a non-tab meeting to have constant rain all day. Uh, we were able to get through that meeting. The surface held up well. It raced well. We had some class records, track records. Um, so there was no problem with the track whatsoever. Just on that, uh, how do we actually get to uh, Sejuna is interesting in itself uh, for the racing participants. So obviously the 
Traders had um, up from uh, Port Lincoln around a 400 kilometre drive. But for the racing participants, um, we take two chartered aeroplane, uh, myself, the stewards, uh, judge on one aircraft, around eight to ten of us, and then on the other one, the jockeys. It's around an hour and a half flight, so it's a bit of an adventure getting there, and uh, those planes are always a, a fun way to, to head anywhere for the non-tab race meeting. So um, getting back to the day, though, the day belonged entirely to apprentice jockey Rochelle Milnes, and she's born and bred from uh, Port Lincoln, so no doubt in her childhood she would have got over to the Sejuna Racing Club many times. She dominated the program. She rode five winners on the card, which was absolutely outstanding result. She's only ridden four career winners today, two at the non fab meeting in Lock and two previously at Port Lincoln. So had an absolute day out riding five. Simon Druitt, also a local trainer from Port Lincoln, he trained four of the winners on the card and Trevor Montgomery uh, trained another two. So uh, they absolutely dominated the program. It was a fantastic crowd on track. Uh, despite the weather and people uh, hiding under marquees and trying to get some shelter out of the rain, uh, we had a great day and so did a lot of people on track. Race one on the program uh, was won by uh, Spanish Courage for Rochelle Mills and trainer Simon Druitt. Uh, they chalked up their first win there in a class record. Then we went to race two where another bit was way too strong, powering away to win by six and a half lengths. That made it two in a row for the Fox Wedge Gelding and brought up the race to race double for Simon Druitt and Rochelle Mills. So the riding was on the wall right there and then that, uh, you know, they were, going, they were in for a good day. Then we went to race number three, which was a benchmark 64 handicap and... Um, Unfortunately, in the previous race, there had been a fall. Fluffy Bunny Feet had uh, put on a buck-jumping exhibition and uh, thrown off Brittany Wong. And even though she was okay, she decided to sit out race three. And we know what uh, the, the gods of racing do. What that uh, resulted in was uh, Brittany Wong was originally engaged to ride 1,000 degrees. She sat out the uh, the race and Nicola Ewan picked up the ride. And, of course, what happened? 1,000 degrees came out and won, uh, making, um, <clears throat> making it a win for pick-up ride for Nicola Ewan and the first of two winners for Trevor Montgomery on the program. Race four was won by Lachlan Castle for Tom Jolly. And then we went to the fifth where um, Simon Drew and Rochelle Milnes got back into the winner's stall again. Good Archie was way too good. It's won three of its last five races, including two on the bounce, and came out and won here in the fifth, making it a treble for Simon Drew and Rochelle Milnes. So... Then we headed to race number six, which was a benchmark 68 handicap, and they weren't finished there. He's able came in uh, to salute by four and a half lengths, bringing up four winners out of six races for Rochelle Mills on the card and trained by local trainer Jackie Stotzer. Race seven was the cup, and uh, this was won by Festival of Light, which was trained by Trevor Montgomery, so that brought up a double for Trevor Montgomery. And if you believe in some karma, Brittany Wong, who was thrown off uh, earlier in the day, uh, she was uh, a board festival of light in the Cup, so she got a win on the program, winning the feature race, so a great result for her. Then we went to the lucky last, which was race number eight, and uh, Able Warrior was able to sweep past the leaders inside the 150 and go away to score by about three and a half lengths. This win brought up an amazing five winners on the card for Rochelle Mills and four for trainer Simon Druitt. Certainly a very rare thing to see a jockey ride five winners on any program at any meeting anywhere in uh, the country. And the fact that Rochelle's originally from Port Lincoln made that accomplishment and achievement even more special. So it was great to see. Uh, it was a fantastic day on the program. And I think Rochelle Mills is an apprentice jockey we should keep our eye on moving forward. That's a wrap from the Sejuna Racing Club. If you are ever in the area or uh, looking to get out and uh, get to a non-tab meeting, I thoroughly uh, would recommend you get out to the Sejuna Racing Club. It's got a 400-metre straight. Uh, it's known as the Flemington, uh, the, the, the Outback Track uh, Flemington here in South Australia. It's 
a great place to watch racing and have a good uh, non-tab experience. That's a wrap for uh, Sajuna. Um, hope everybody uh, gets along to Port Lincoln uh, this Friday, and I'll see you out there uh, for the 8-9 race card. We wait for acceptances there. Thanks, Tony. Good on you, Mark. Appreciate that report from Sajuna Cup Day there. I've got to love that, Rob. We've got the Mooney Valley of the North at Kilcoy. Mm. We've got the Flemington of the Outback at Sajuna. And how about that record of Rochelle Milnes? I was looking it up. She's only been riding since November 28 last year. She rode her first winner at Port Lincoln on the 18th of December, uh, actually part of a double that day, and then rode a double at the lock meeting on January 13, and now five at Sajuna. So prior to Saturday, she'd only ridden four winners, and then comes out and rides five, five winners from six rides on Saturday. And as uh, Mark said, a name to jot down, and we'll be following Rochelle uh, Milne's career with a great deal of interest. Yeah, congratulations, Rochelle. As, as Mark did say, uh, it doesn't happen too often anywhere, and it uh, doesn't matter which track it's on to get those five winners. And, of course, always uh, a bit of a horses for courses. I love that result for Festival of Light. He's got a wonderful record at the track with the win in two seconds and a third from uh, four, but the, certainly the day belonging to Rochelle. And, of course, uh, tra trainer Simon Jewett combining with four of those uh, five wins. Congratulations all round. That was Heat 2 of the uh, Bill Holland Series. Heat 3 will be the Lock Cup 1900 metres coming up on Sunday, February 26. And I just saw a post come up on uh, the Facebook page for the Streaky Bay Racing Club. Not long to go now until the 2023 Forex Gold and Streaky Bay Community Hotel Streaky Bay Cup. And that is coming up on Saturday, March 25. And you can get tickets there through the Streaky Bay Racing Club Facebook page. Rob, this weekend, racing is starting to pick up a little bit. Uh, heading into Saturday, we've got Tab Me at Bowen on Friday and Cairns on Saturday. And with that uh, abandonment of the Innisfail meeting last weekend, there's two additional races thrown onto that Cairns tab meeting on Saturday. A uh, 1250 metre benchmark, 50 and a two-year-olds and upwards maiden plate set weights over 1250 metres. And the non-tab meetings on Saturday, they race at Pine Am Park at Emerald and it's Cannonball Flying Day at Bunya Park at Dolby. Time-honoured race, a cannonball flying, and uh, yeah, it's good that it's uh, hotting up the racing that we can report on each week, Tony, which we'll manage to do again uh, next week. Uh, just email me at barkersnews at optusnet.com.au or yourself, Tony, get hold of you, and particularly if you've got those ideas regarding uh, the jockey shortage problem in country racing, any ideas are most welcome, and uh, get hold of your clubs and your regional delegates um, and, and feed them through as well, or get hold of Cole Truscott at Racing Queensland and pass that information on we'll be back next week tony as we always love to do you get back to uh, enjoying a little bit of baby <laughs> city there giddy <laughs> i tell you what i'm in the middle of designated survivor so it's good that uh, myra has gone for a sleep i'm going to tune into another episode <laughs> enjoy the week we'll catch you next tuesday <laughs> good morning tony good morning listeners Thank you to Rob Luck, Paul Dolan, Duncan Dornoff and Mark Matthews for joining us on Bushbeat. Good luck to the clubs who are racing this weekend, especially Emerald, uh, especially Emerald and Dolby with their non-tab meetings coming up on Saturday. And we'll be back next Tuesday on Radio Tab to report on that for you once again on Bushbeat. Thanks, Tony. I look forward to it.